Hi, my name is Sue Kelly. I'm Senior Vice President for Fiberlite. At the end of the day, you're not going anywhere without the fiber aspect. I'm Catherine Speglia, and this is Well Technically, the tech podcast where women do the explaining. Sue, how are you? Hello, Catherine. How are you doing today? I am great, and I'm happy to have you here today. And we'll be talking about an aspect of 5G and networks in general that is often overlooked by the media, which is fiber. Fiber is, of course, critical for our networks, but it's often taken for granted. So we'll be digging a little bit into why that is, but mostly focusing on what operators and enterprises are really looking for when it comes to fiber. First, though... What is an example of a time in which being a woman has empowered you? Wow, uh, what, what a loaded question and how much time do you have, right? So that's the first thing I'd say, but I would break it down this way. Um, and I think being empowered as a woman is, is no different than being empowered as a person. Um, and, and to be empowered, right, you, you make someone stronger, you make someone more confident, um, and, and you're really driving them to control their environment, their lives, right, and claiming the right to either think, behave, manage, or take action. Um, and I think the take action piece is very important because what I do, when I, when I work with my lads, I kind of say to them all the time, are you talking or are you doing? Um, and if you're doing, we're in good shape. If you're talking, well, then you might as well be reading a book. So, so I drive that way from the standpoint of being empowered, but I, I recall really probably three three areas in my life where I can say reflectively, yes, I have felt empowered as a woman, I felt empowered as a person, um, and I felt pretty good, pretty vibrant on the inside. Um, part of it becomes our culture. And um, my mother would always say, your own swans are the whitest, right? And I, I understand that um, as as my mother has raised us and I look at my grandmother and, and these empowering moments when I was growing up, they give you the belief. One, one was um, my grandmother every Wednesday would run what she called the old folks organization. She'd do activities, she'd bring them in and she'd say to me, Susie, would you come in and play the guitar or pour out the tea or make the biscuits, right? For these old ones. And I used to say, Nana, these old ones are younger than you, but her belief system um, was, no, uh, I'm empowered to run this organization. So our culture really gave us the sense of can do. So I went through life kind of being non-specific and going after things based on merit. When it really kicked in, Catherine, was uh, I coached for 10 years before I got into technology for the last 20. So I'm aging myself now. But Title IX became a, a wonderful movement for women in athletics. And it basically was the demographic breakdown of male and females on college campuses had to be the same now in the athletic department. So for the first time, I could see how a structure and an organization and a movement was able to give a group of people a voice. And when I switched from college athletics and I got into technology, um, I didn't have an MBA, I didn't have a tech background, but I knew I had the skills to sell, to teach, to educate, to be driven, to be motivated. And, and then I found myself in an industry where I, I think in the last several years, 46% of the workforce are women. In technology, 
we're looking at 25% of the workforce um, being women, um, which has decreased from the 80s. And I, I think 9% of leadership in technology are women. So there, there's still a battle to be had. There's still stories to be had. There's still encouragement to occur. I think we do well. So um, it, it reminded me as you posed this question and, and so kindly invited me on here today, I have to continue to keep in that mentorship. I have to continue to reach out to women um, and, and just guide them along and raise them up, you know, uh, because the environment in and of itself can be a challenging one. What you said about your grandmother and how she was empowered to do work with older folks, despite them being younger than her, what that made me think of was kind of how when you're talking about empowerment, it's it's important to realize that your identity is not just your identity, it's also in relation to other people around you and to society. And I think that to me made me kind of think of like privilege where some people have a hard time seeing the ways in which they've they've had privilege in their life because there are ways in which they haven't been privileged, right? And so it's kind of about understanding how you are empowered in some ways and you can use that to empower other people. No, absolutely. I, I, I think it's it's all about dynamics, right? And if you're you're in the right environment with positive people. So when people ask you questions like that, well, when have you ever felt empowered as a woman or a man or this, that, and the other? At the end of the day, it's about whom you surround yourself with. So let's get into the tech part of this podcast. Sure. How would you say the way that the communications industry looks at fiber has changed in the 5G era, if at all? Um, I would look, I'm a great girl um, for analogies, right? The old Irish comes out of me, as they say. So to me, if, if 5G is an era, 5G is a movie, um, I, I think fiber is the main character in that movie. That's really how I would look at that, right? So when we talk about 5G, we got the broader spectrum, right, for faster speeds, right? Comprehensive connectivity, right? More servers, um, more uh, better reliability on the network, smarter towers. I would even say, Catherine, smart cities um, and the towers, we've even kind of redefined what a tower is. I was driving down parts of Charlotte the other day and I'm looking up and going, I think that's a Wi-Fi device. I think this is part of the smart city. And, and all of a sudden, it's really not a tower, right? So I think what 5G has done for the world is it, it continues to further develop, develop that super highway of going somewhere wherever innovation wants to go. And then to me, fiber is the guardrail for that, right? So I could get into engineering speak, but I, I leave that to the to the real experts. As I, engineers are like um, American Express, I don't leave home without them when it comes to you know meeting clients and stuff like that. But I, I would say just in principle, right? 5G, it, it, it has changed how we make decisions. It has changed how we manufacture products, how, how we maintain facilities. We are making facilities smarter now. It brings a new smarter world, right? IoT, Internet of Things, Industrial Internet of Things, you know, the autonomous vehicles, um, artificial intelligence. All of that stuff is provisioned now, you know, with respects to 5G. But at the end of the day, you're not going anywhere without you know, the fiber aspect of it. So I remember years ago when I worked for the cable industry and I thought we were really cool because we were bringing coax to businesses 
And at the time, everybody was excited to have what we called then high-speed data. And um, I kind of giggled and I thought we were good at selling. And then I realized the high-speed data wasn't so much a novelty anymore. It was now a necessity. It became a utility. It was like turning on the lights, right? So what happened then is in the MSO industry, we rode the wave of coax you know, to the business and whatever. And we all thought, oh, look at these great sales, great clients, building businesses, developing. I now think we're riding that wave of fiber in the necessity of 5G. Now, there's other aspects to that 5G network with respects to that, but I do think it's the core guardrails for us. Um, and I, I just think when you look, if anybody looks up 5G worldwide deployment, every country is either in a launched, deployed, or investment concept strategy of that. So it, it's the way the world is going and fiber will assist us in keeping up with it. That's the way I would kind of answer that question for you. Awesome. And uh, sorry if you saw me look away for a moment. I was taking notes about what you said about fiber being the main character in the movie because that's definitely going to be the title of this episode. So thank you for doing my work for me. In a previous conversation that I had with your colleague from Fiberlight, he actually mentioned to me that operators prefer dark fiber. And at the time, I did not ask him to elaborate. But now that I have you here... Can you tell me why that is and how dark fiber fits into their broader build-out strategy? Okay. So when the basic fundamentals in dark fiber, right, you have virtually unlimited bandwidth, right? And, and God bless human consumption, but anything unlimited is always something that we go for, right? Um, you've got increased operational control um, and speed to market right? Uh, particularly if you're a company like ours who are very competent in building fiber, right? You're more secure. You're it's a completely private network, whatever way you want to set up that, you know, that's something you can do. You've got flexible financial terms, right? Um, to match either OPEX or a CAPEX budget. So whatever clients you're dealing with, you can go upfront or you can do monthly reoccurring. You know, there's great flexibility from a fiscal standpoint there. Um, and then manage dark fiber networks, enable deployment um, and ongoing management without adding staff. So they're your basic fundamentals if I was going out to sell dark fiber tomorrow. Now, when you talk about providers, and when you talk about looking at that from, from all aspects, what I would say to you is, to me, it's about future proofing your business. And I think no matter what business you're in, if you can future proof your business, and if you're ready for the next fundamental innovative decision without having to change your technical infrastructure, you're in great shape. So I, I think that's kind of where the rubber meets the road. And then again, kind of summarizing, you've got for, from an end user standpoint and a customer standpoint, right? You've 50% of bandwidth is, is utilized. So you can lease other aspects of it. You've got reduced costs and it improves latency, redundancy, um, disaster recovery. And like, let's talk about business continuity and the world pandemic that we just had. When that happened, we had a lot of our customers calling us about the inversion of their network to make sure that they could reconfigure because business continuity was incredibly important. Okay, great. And, and then when it comes to enterprise customers, what are they looking for in fiber solutions and what problems are they hoping fiber can solve that maybe some other methods won't be able to? Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of like, oh gosh, you know, the horse and buggy. 
Um, and then we got the Ford motor car. And then we obviously went into automation and Ford became what they became. And now we have vehicles and now we have autonomous vehicles, right? So it's about an evolution. So you can talk about that evolution, right? In the sense of, okay, that's now what fiber is to the enterprise customer and the end user. I would dare to take it further, right? I would dare to say that your decision to have fiber is important, but I think what's more important is your fiber provider. Because, what is it, Salvador Dali, right? Yeah, have no fear of uh, perfection because you'll never actually achieve it, right? We all know what telecom is like. 99.9999% uptime or whatever it is, we, we'll claim to say it is. But there are always shortcomings. There are always force majeure. There, look what happened, like I said, this past 12 months. So I think understanding that a business needs fiber for the things that I said in the prior um, answer, I would say to the end user, the customer, it is real important who you do business with and not to kind of brand like, oh, you need a trusted provider. At the end of the day, you have to be doing business with someone, a provider like ourselves at Fiberlight, who will bring you bad news early, who will have healthy communication, who will pitch in collectively with you. So if there are latencies, if there are down, if there are inadvertent things that occur that nobody goes to hide. Um, and I would, like yesterday, Catherine, I was on a call with a customer and, and we were recovering. Now it was, um, it was a kind of um, uh, a provision of supply chain and, and hardware and things like that, that was outside of our purview, but still at the same time, we were responsible for the time, inter time interval. Um, and we sat with those customers and there were about six people from Fiberlight on the call. And it was like the Brady Bunch, but they commented at the end of the call of, even though it was bad news, um, that that relationship was there, even you know when there were friction points. And, and I think that's what it's about. So I think I would definitely say to an enterprise customer, no worries about the fiber solution. Many engineers can tell you that, but who is the trusted partner that will provide that fiber to you and for you and how they'll engage with you will make all the difference. Yeah, I think that's really um, important and a good takeaway for enterprise customers to, to focus on the provider relationship. My last question for you is more about Fiberlight itself, which I'm glad you kind yeah. of talked to me a little bit about the company. So let's continue on that path. So the company is still actively broadening its fiber network and recently announced a new El Paso data center expansion. Can you tell me a little bit more about the company's longer term goals and larger business strategy? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I could, I can give you one liners here, right? Uh, almost 1,700 towers, right? 14,000 route miles of fiber. We got about 78,000 near net buildings. We go through 430 cities. Um, I think we've got about 19,000 access points on the backbone um, and 130 data centers that we pass by. So, so there's my canned, ooh, look at us, aren't we doing well, right? But that kind of gives you a concept. So with that, we give you the gift of that keeps on going with Cloud Connect, enhanced DIA, dark fiber, managed dark fiber, ethernet and wavelengths. So the, the, the good fortune and the gift that we can provision within the United States we are now going cross-border. And what's really cool about that, the El Paso, Texas market, right? We'll have a point of presence in the MCD data centers in El Paso facility. Um, 
right? That will be a major hub to connect into the Mexico markets, right? And I think we're the fourth um, border crossing to support turbots of bandwidth from Mexico to Dallas. So I, I think we're just opening up where El Paso can connect with Laredo up to McAllen and Brownsville. Um, and we can support critical communications cross-border um, right up Dallas, San Antonio, Houston, and Austin. So it's just a great um, gateway, right? It decreases lag time. Um, and honestly, it's just an expansion of our network because we think there's great propensity for wonderful end users coming on there. And obviously we're looking forward to new wireless carriers joining us in the next few months ahead based on, on the completion of that build. Okay, excellent. That was all I had for you. Thank you so much, Sue, for, for being here today. Listen, a lovely experience. Thank you so much. Well Technically is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com.